Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. I'm excited about the word tonight. We're wrapping up our series, Square One. And uh, so we're just going to hit the ground running tonight. Uh, Luke chapter 2 and verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, God. I thank you for just speaking to us tonight. Lord, I thank you that your word is living. It's active, God, that that it's touching every single heart, touching every single life. And I just declare right now that the seed of the word of God is falling upon good and fertile soil tonight. I thank you for a harvest of 30, 60 and 100 fold that's going to be produced in our lives tonight in Jesus name. And we thank you in advance, God, for the saints winning the Super Bowl. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. I felt faith just stir up in a few of y'all right there. Just making sure you weren't you weren't sleeping. So we know that Jesus grew. The Bible tells us that Jesus grew in, in a few different areas. And I want to talk about uh, tonight, wrapping up square one, is growing like Jesus. Growing like Jesus. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Those who say that they live in God should live their lives like Jesus did. Now, for some of us, that's a pretty intimidating statement. Jesus lived an extraordinary life. Jesus was incredible. He lived uh, just an unbelievable, amazing life. And as Christians, the Bible says for those of us that claim to be in God should live our lives just as Jesus did. Just as Jesus did. And that can be intimidating for a few people that can, man, how can I live my life just as Jesus did? But we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus grew, how Jesus lived his life. And the good news is, is that Jesus was a trailblazer. Jesus was a trailblazer. He, he, he blazed the trail for us. He, he chopped it out, marked it out for us. And so gave, giving us the grace that we could live just as he did because he did it for us. And so it doesn't have to be, you don't have to take it, anybody who claims to be in God must live as, as Jesus did as an intimidating statement, because it's really not. Because the Bible shows us how to live like Jesus did. And tonight I want to talk about four ways that Jesus grew and one way that he perfected. Four ways that Jesus grew and one way that he perfected. Number one, Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom. We see it in Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two. Uh, Luke chapter two, verse fifty-two it says, "Jesus grew in wisdom." Jesus grew in wisdom. Now, there's a big difference between knowledge and wisdom. Any person can gain knowledge, and knowledge is is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. I'm not downplaying it. But any person, whether uh, whether they're in Christ, whether they're lost, whether they're found, can have knowledge or gain knowledge. It's easy. Uh, it's not easy necessarily, but anybody can do it through education, through books, and and it's a great thing. It's good to gain knowledge. But not everybody can gain wisdom that isn't in Christ. Wisdom comes from one place. It comes from God. It comes from God and it's available for every single believer. How many of you want wisdom? How many of you say that you just you're good? You have all the wisdom you need. If you could just come up after service, lay hands on me. I'll take some of your wisdom because I need to grow in wisdom. All of us need to grow in wisdom. None of us arrive and we just have all the wisdom that we need. 
And so how do we acquire wisdom? How do we acquire wisdom or grow in wisdom? It's through a few different ways. I'm going to talk about that real quick. The first way that we can acquire or grow in wisdom is through prayer. It's through prayer. I know, oh man, that sounds generic, but it's so true. It's in the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, Any of you lacks wisdom? Any of you lacks wisdom? And I could say that that really applies for probably all of us. We all lack some form of wisdom. We all need more wisdom. Any of you lacks wisdom? Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given to him. And it will be given to him. So how do we gain knowledge? How do we gain wisdom? How do we acquire it? And how do we grow in it? It's through prayer. That's the first way that it starts. It's through prayer. And I don't know about you, but I would like to live a wise life. It's, it's, it's a goal. It's something for us to grow in constantly, to grow and acquire wisdom. And it comes through prayer. Wisdom comes through prayer. It's how we acquire it. It's how we grow in it. And we all know this scripture in Luke chapter 11, verse 9. We've talked about it in here before. You've probably heard it countless times, but I think it's worth reading again. Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says, And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds and everyone who knocks the door will be open you fathers if your children ask for a fish do you give them a snake instead or if you ask for a if or if they ask for an egg do you give them a scorpion of course not so if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your heavenly father give the holy spirit to those who ask monday or, or tuesday i don't remember maybe it was sunday actually Evening, I got a text from Jonathan, and uh, he was going over the packet for kids camp, uh, and it, there was a typo. And instead of uh, snacks, it said snakes. So if you give your children, if you give your children snakes, or what was it? Yeah, chips or or, or a snake. So I think that was prophetically put in there for just like some biblical some biblical training. So. Anyway, I got off topic just thinking of reading that scripture and, and seeing that text in my head. But we know this scripture. We know the, we know the context of it. We know that, and a lot of times we think that that God is far away, or 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 He doesn't want to necessarily give us things. And maybe we won't, we won't say that, but maybe subconsciously we think that. And the truth is, is that this scripture has shown us that that God desires to give you this. So it's not like it's not like God's trying to keep wisdom from you or God's trying to keep himself from you. He wants to give you first and foremost, he wants to give you himself. God's into gift giving. We know that he, he first and foremost gave his son his one one and only son for us that we could have life and life more abundantly, that we could have purpose here uh, on earth and an eternal home forever in heaven. But so we know we know that. But sometimes we don't know that, you know, does that make sense? Like we we have like an idea. We've seen it. We've read it. Yeah, I, I, I get that. But the truth is, we're talking about how do we acquire and grow in wisdom? It's through prayer. But whenever we pray, how are we praying? Do we really believe that we're receiving what we're asking for? And some of you, you, you have some decisions. All of us have decisions to make and we desperately need wisdom. 
It's a gift. It's, it's something that has been provided for us by God so that we can live our life in wisdom, walk in wisdom. He's given it to us. But the thing is, is just as much as you want wisdom, God desires to give it to you. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 says, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. Isn't it funny that, that Proverbs, I like how Proverbs describes it, describes it, she cries out in the city street. It's not like wisdom is hiding from us. Wisdom is out in the open, out in the middle of the street, calling out, but looking to see who will listen, looking to see who will pay attention, looking to see who will actually receive it. So wisdom wants to be found, but the, tr- the truth is, is not very many of us find it. Why? Because we're not really searching for it. And so if we go out and we search for wisdom and we ask just simply, as James says in, one, in James chapter 1, verse 5, any of you lacks wisdom, just ask God for it and He will give it to you. So the first way that we acquire and grow in wisdom is number one, in prayer. The second way that we grow in wisdom is through God's Word. We grow in wisdom through God's Word. I love the way Proverbs chapter 1, as it just opens up the book of Proverbs, it says, these are the Proverbs of Solomon. David's son, king of Israel, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. How many of you want to live a successful life? That's just obvious. How many of you want to live a successful life? I do. And it says this is the purpose to teach people how to live a disciplined and successful life. To help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance. So wisdom comes through the Word of God. And I love Proverbs. I've done this for a long time. And actually, I started out whenever I first got saved. This was how uh, my reading became, began. Was It's so simple. You know, there's obviously, you've, many of you have heard this. There's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in the month. And so you just take a proverb a day. That's how uh, I started my reading plan back whenever I first got saved. And I'll be honest, reading one proverb was like a really big deal whenever I first got saved. It was like, Man, I'm not a big reader. I didn't really care to read. But reading that one proverb, I just couldn't get enough of it. And, you know, the Proverbs is meant to give us wisdom. And for years, I've I've read uh, not every day, but most days I'll read a proverb a day. Just go whatever. What is the day uh, today's date? And just read a proverb. And that I find that you just you grow in wisdom. But why? Because it's the inspired word of God. And so if we're wanting, we're talking about wisdom, how to grow in wisdom. It comes through the word of God through his whole scripture, but Proverbs, for the most part, focuses in on wisdom. So if you're serious about growing in wisdom, really want to grow in wisdom, it, it's it, this is a challenge to you. Take one proverb a day. Take one proverb a day and just begin to read through it and begin to ask God. Remember, wis, wisdom is crying out in the streets. It's calling. It, it's wanting to be found. And one of the ways that we find it is through the word of God. It's through the Word of God. And so if you seek, if you'll read and get in there, you'll find, you'll find wisdom. The third way that we grow in wisdom 
is number three. We grow through teachers of the word. We grow in wisdom through teachers of the word. Let's back up. In Luke chapter 2, verse 46, Luke chapter 2, verse 46, this is where uh, Jesus was young and, and uh, his parents, Joseph and Mary, lost him and they didn't realize where he was. And then three days later, in uh, verse 46 says, three days later, they finally discovered him, talking about Jesus, in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. Now, a lot of times we read this, we read this uh, passage of Scripture and we kind of focus in on verse 47 instead of verse 46. The, the teachers of religious law were amazed at his teach at his answers. And we kind of we kind of think of it like this. We see Jesus that's young and he's kind of sitting at the steps and he's, you know, maybe just sitting with his legs crossed and and all the, the, the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law are just marveling at how the incredible wisdom that Jesus is given. In fact, it was actually the opposite. Jesus was sitting and asking questions, receiving from them. He was receiving from them. And because way before people were sitting at Jesus's feet, he was sitting at the teachers of religious laws feet, receiving from them, gleaning from them, asking questions from them. You know, we think of the Pharisees because for the most part, you know, they're, they're the ones that, that you know, uh, you know, were, gave Jesus the most problems. He was the one that was rebuking them the most. But Jesus even said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 2, he's talking to his disciples. He said, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you, but don't follow their example for they don't practice what they preach. So for the most part, Jesus really wasn't arguing with their theology. He was arguing with the way that they were living their lives. And so Jesus, way before he was teaching the others, he was receiving from the teachers of religious law. And so how do we grow in wisdom? Jesus grew in wisdom by asking questions, by asking people that were were trained and taught in the word of God. And that's how we grow. That's how we grow by by in places like this, in a setting like this, or or, or through uh, good, you know, messages that that you know, people that are teaching uh, the law—it's not teaching the law, but teaching the Bible, um, you know, accurately—and that's how we receive. That's how we receive many different ways, but it's also one of the ways that we receive wisdom. Jesus grew in wisdom, and if we're going to grow like Jesus, we need to grow in wisdom as well. Every single one of us needs wisdom. And we know that wisdom is calling out, crying out to us, seeing who will pay attention and listen to it. So the first thing that Jesus grew is Jesus grew in wisdom. The second way that Jesus grew is Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in stature. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says so Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Now, why is this a big deal? I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this point. But what, why this is a big deal, and I think that this is in the scriptures, one, it shows Jesus's humanity. It shows Jesus's humanity. And I don't mean to be irreverent or anything like that, but Jesus took on, you know, he took on flesh. He took on, uh, you know, just like us, he experienced all the same things that we experienced. 
You know, Jesus probably he had to be potty trained just like everybody else. Jesus had to learn how to speak. Jesus learned how to do all the things that we do. Jesus took on humanity and he grew just like we grew. He probably had growing pains just like how many of you had bad growing pains growing up? I hated growing pains. Growing pains were just terrible. I remember uh, my my good friend growing up, Ian Willis, his mom had a potion for everything. And, and she was very like into like natural stuff. And and I would get the worst growing pains. I remember like just being in their house and she's like, here, take take some magnesium, eat this banana, take. And I'm like, all right, I'll take whatever. Like you, whenever you're in pain, you'll like just do whatever. You know, like if you're thirsty and you need some water, like you'll take like a no brand, just just water will just come up and you'll just you'll drink from it. And it Growing pains was the worst. Jesus probably experienced all those things. Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. And I think the cool thing that shows Jesus grew in stature is He was just like us in the, in the, far, in the part that He was 100% man. He experienced the same emotions that we experienced. He experienced you know, all the same things that we did. And why is it encouraging to us is because I, I see it like this. Jesus, he, like we talked about earlier, he, trail, he, he was a trailblazer. And so in a path that nobody could have taken before Jesus, he blazed the trail. You know, you ever walk in, in, in some thick brush, some, uh, just a, a, some thick woods, and how much easier is it? You ever like have somebody that is in front of you that has the, uh, the what is it, machete? I always like to be the second guy. Because the first guy, he's got to like go through all the vines. He's going to get tore up, cut up. But yet you just like you're walking clean like, man, this is this is great. Thanks for you know blazing this trail for me. That's how Jesus was. Jesus went through all the things that we experienced. He experienced all the same emotional, all the same emotional hurts, all the same things that we experience in life. Yet he gave us an example, a perfect example that we could follow. So Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Number three, Jesus grew in the favor of God. Jesus grew in the favor of God. Luke chapter 2, verse 52 says, Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God. Now what I believe this represents is, I believe this represents the anointing of God. The favor of God can also be represented as the anointing of God. And how did Jesus grow in his anointing? How did Jesus grow in this anointing? I want you to catch this. How did Jesus grow in his anointing? He grew the main way all of us grow in anointing. He grew in anointing through obedience. He grew in anointing through obedience. Look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to be baptized. John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism... As Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling upon him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me 
great joy. The anointing comes through obedience. The anointing comes through obedience. It's no mistake that right after Jesus obeyed the Word of God by being baptized, that the heavens opened up and the Father said that this is my dearly loved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The anointing comes through obedience. Jesus was completely submitted to the Father. He was completely submitted to His will. He was completely submitted to the, to the Word of God. And He followed out everything. He obeyed everything. And that's how the anointing comes. It comes through obedience. How many of you want to have more anointing on your life? I do. I want to have more anointing on my life. And the way that that comes is through obedience of the Word. And just because we're anointed one day doesn't mean the anointing is just going to be there all the time. I got this kind of kind of strange illustration about anointing, but it works. You ever you ever been to a hospital or been to some place where somebody's having needing breathing treatments, they're having problems breathing or or maybe they've been in a bed for a long time and they do this thing where it's got this little uh, machine and it's got this flex like flexible pipe and they got a blow in it and they blow this little balloon uh, not balloon but it's like this little ball you know it's to keep them from getting blood clots or whatever and they they do these breathing treatments periodically on it i was just thinking about that and it's just strange but the lord just spoke to me it's that his anointing is like that his anointing is like that you just because you have it all the way at the top doesn't mean that it's going to stay at the top and if you stop obeying you can it'll it'll be up there for a while but once the obedience stops it'll come right back down so you'll, you can have anointing on your life. And in, after you walk and you're walking in disobedience, the anointing will stay for a little while. But until you start, until you get blow that obedience on it, then it, it'll come right back. But it'll go, it'll fadely go down. That's what obedience is like. That's what the anointing is like. Just because you have it one day doesn't mean that you'll have it the rest of your life. If you want anointing, you want it to continue to grow. You want it to increase on your life just like it increased on Jesus' life. you got to continue to walk in obedience daily, every single day, to God's Word, to your authority. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 4, it says, If anyone claims to, claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And that's how we know we are living in him. That's how we know we're living in him. That's pretty strong scripture, but that's not what I said. That's what the Bible says. He calls if anybody says that they're living in Christ, but isn't following their life according to modeling their life according to the Bible, the Bible says that that person is a liar. That person it doesn't have the truth inside him that those who love God obey his word. And, you know, I, I want, it, it, you know, something that's, that's so true is obedience really doesn't become obedience until your will gets crossed. Obedience doesn't become obedience until your own desire gets crossed. You know, if if your dad says that that he's going to buy you a Corvette for your 16th birthday and you have to accept it, you're going to obey that pretty easily. Dad, I'm going to lay my will down. I'm going to lay my own what I want to do. I'm going to drive this sports car. 
because this, this is your this is your will. No, obedience becomes obedience whenever your dad says you can't drive for the weekend because you got bad grades on your report card. That's whenever obedience becomes obedience. It becomes obedience whenever your own will gets crossed, whenever you do something that you want to do, but you choose not to do it because you're submitted. Jesus gave us this example. Jesus lived this out. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he was facing the cross. We all know this story. He's facing the cross. He was in the the most excruciating time of his life where he knew what was coming. He knew that the weight of the world was going to come upon him. And he's praying. He's crying out to God. And he says, Father, if you are willing, please let this cup of suffering, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet not my will be done but yours. Jesus' humanity, which we talked about last point, was showed in, in the garden. Just like anybody else, nobody would have wanted the cross. The difference is, is Jesus was taking something that He didn't deserve for you and I. He was taking the wrath the Father had to pour out because of sin, but He was taking it for us. Jesus' will was showing at that point. You ever you ever got spanked as a kid? Your will ever came up? You ever Father, please, if it's your will to take this belt away from me, let it pass. But please let your will be done. Anybody respond like that? No, yeah, me, yeah, me, me either. Me either. How about any of you have brothers and sisters? Let me see, you got brothers and sisters? Okay. Was your brother or sister ever in a moment where they did something wrong and they were about to get a spanking and you stepped in and said, no, Dan, I got this. Go ahead, move. I'll take this spanking. I really don't want this spanking, but but you're what? Anybody ever, anybody that godly in here? No? Uh, okay, yeah, me. That's where Jesus was at in a way, way, way bigger scale than that. Our sin nature meant that the wrath of the Father was going to have to be poured out. They had, there had to be punishment, and Jesus took the punishment for us, even though He did not want to. His own will, His own humanity did not want, His own flesh didn't want to, but He was so submitted to God that it wasn't about His will, but it was about His Father's will. That's why he had such a strong anointing, because he continually walked in obedience. He had anointing to heal the sick. He had anointing to preach the gospel like no one else has preached the gospel. And he had anointing to stay upon the cross because he was completely submitted to the will of the Father. It wasn't the nails that kept him on the cross. It was his obedience to the Father that kept him on the cross. That's how we need to grow. Not about us, not about what we want to do, but about what he wants us to do. And so if we want the anointing to grow in our life, like all of us do, we've got to walk in obedience. We've got to walk in obedience to God. We've got to walk in obedience to our authority. And that's how the anointing comes. So the first way that we grow like Jesus is we grow in wisdom. The second way we grow in stature. The third way we grow in favor with God. 
And the fourth way is we grow like Jesus grew. Jesus grew in favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with people. Now, Jesus had a lot of enemies. We know that. But Jesus also had a lot of friends. He had people that were willing to go all the way to the cross for him. He had 12 people that were willing to die for him. 11 people. One, one volunteered for death. You get, get that maybe tomorrow morning. I don't know. Judas. Sorry. It's not good whenever you have to explain your own joke. Sorry. Side, side note. <laughs> Jesus grew in favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with people. God wants us to grow socially. I don't know if you realize this or not, but but God's model is not to have like just a bunch of weirdos like he actually like it's OK to like be normal socially like you can be a Christian and, and, and actually be normal. I don't know if you know that or not. All of y'all are normal in here, but but some there's some Christians that think that you just got to be weird, have a Bible, go up to Jonathan at school and be like, did you read your word today? Like, no, I didn't get a chance like you need to repent. <laughs> and Jonathan is like, I'm not going to that church. They're so weird. That, that's, not how we, that's not how we have to be. Jesus grew socially. Jesus grew in favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with people. And it comes through a couple of different ways. But two ways that I want to key in. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3. Is never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good rep- reputation. Favor with people comes, and favor with God as well, comes through through two ways: treating everyone with kindness and loyalty. Treating everyone with kindness and loyalty. That should be your goal. There are going to be people in your life that you don't like. That's just bottom line, honest. There are going to be people in your life that you eh, probably not going to call them to hang out this weekend. That's okay. All right, that, that's, that's fine. You don't have to like everyone, but what you do have to do is treat everyone with kindness. Because what we don't think of a lot of times is is we don't think about what's going on in that person's life. Like we just think like, man, they, they, they're constantly lashing out. Man, that person's got an anger problem. I don't want to be around them. You know, I, 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 just, I, I just don't like them. But we don't think about maybe that, who knows, maybe their, their parents just went through a divorce. Maybe they're getting, I don't know, some, something terrible has happened to them at, at, at their house or or are there, we don't know what internally is happening. And so we treat everybody with kindness. Not that we this is this is a challenge to all of us. Is to do our best if we want to grow in favor with people that we treat everybody that we come across with kindness. That's what se- that's one of the things that separates us from the world. The the, the world does whatever feels good and and, you know, if I don't like a person, then I don't have to talk to them. I don't have to be nice to them. What separates us from the world is we want to grow like Jesus, right? We, we want to, the Bible says that if we claim to be in God, that we should walk how Jesus walked. Jesus walked in kindness. And kindness is something that grows. Just as, as we want, as we're growing in favor, kindness grows. 
the more that it's almost like it's almost like a habit. Like if you con- it's, it's for you to consciously think about, you know, what today I'm going to be kind to people. If you do that, that will revolutionize your life. If you wake up in the morning and say, you know what, tomorrow I'm going to treat everybody that I come across, whether they're nice to me or not, with kindness. That will change your life. And that will gain favor with people. That's not that's not flattery. That's not just trying to, you know, gaining favor from what you can get from them. No, it, it's this living how Jesus lived. Jesus grew in favor with people. Jesus grew in favor with people. And the second way that that we get favor with people is loyalty is loyalty. It's not having a friend or having an acquaintance. And then at the moment that that you're done talking to them, you go behind and just talk behind their back or or, or, or have no form of loyalty. So many people have no form of loyalty to others. They're not loyal. They're, they're, the moment that they get what they can get out of them, they're done with them. That's the world's way. That's how the world operates. It, it looks at a person of has no value on that person. What they see in that person is, what can this person do for me? What can I get out of this person? Versus, I'm going to give unconditional kindness to this person because they're a creation of God. They, may, they need to be encouraged by God. They need to be, be strengthened by God. And you know what? Loyalty, I'm just going to be loyal to my friends. I'm going to be loyal to other people. It doesn't matter how they treat me. It doesn't matter if they speak badly about them. I'm not going to retaliate and go to others and speak badly about them. I'm going to be loyal to my friends. I'm going to be loyal to my family. I'm going to be loyal to other people. And if you do that, you'll find yourself gaining favor with people. Because not many people operate that way. Not many people walk in kindness. Not many people walk and loyalty. So Jesus grew in wisdom. Jesus grew in stature. Jesus grew in favor with God and people. And the fifth thing that Jesus didn't just grow in, but Jesus perfected. Jesus perfected this. Is Jesus perfected selflessness. Jesus perfected selflessness. This is where I want to close out tonight and spend a little time. For those of you that are Coming on the mission trip, this is just a little priming the the pump a little bit to get you ready for the mission trip. Jesus perfected selflessness. He perfected it. He denied himself completely and his life was all about others. It was all about others. And Jesus didn't just, Jesus had authority to tell us the scripture right here. Jesus had authority to say every scripture, but this scripture right here In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, it said, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross. One translation says, take up your cross daily and follow me and follow me. Everything that Jesus did was about others. The reason that Jesus had such authority to say this scripture is because he walked it out just like everything else he lived it out he said take up your cross follow me he took up his cross both daily both in his what his will was and both physically he literally took up his cross and died for us everything about Jesus' life 
was other-centered. It was other-centered. And you know, all of us, it's kind of like what we talked about, like the, the anointing. You know, you can be at a place where the anointing is strong on your life. You can be at a place where, where you're, you're living selflessly. But it can it, that's a daily thing. It's a daily thing. To lay down what you want to do and care about somebody else. Listen, I want everybody paying attention right here as we just close. I want you to get this. I really want you to get this. Our life, the whole purpose of this thing that we do, the whole thing of this fusion thing that we do, it's not about this building. It's not about this campus. It's not about this property. Property is property. Buildings are buildings. What it's about is about people. It's about people. It's about others. It's about... It's about you and I growing together. It's about people that don't know Jesus to come and to find Him. Jesus was all about others. He was all about others. And I just want to read a few more scriptures. John chapter 21, verse 12. Actually, we'll go there in just a second. But Matthew chapter 28. Actually, I forgot to put it in there. Never mind. Uh, But the scripture, whenever Jesus was on the cross, he was going through his most agony. The, The place where he was experiencing the most torment. He wasn't even concerned about that. He was concerned about the people that were down there. That were doing something that they didn't know, that they weren't aware of. He wasn't concerned like all of us of... Our prayer would have been, Father, ease this pain. Father, help me to get through the cross. Father, help me to get away from this. You know what? I changed my mind. I know earlier I said, your will be done. I'm done with this. Not, not, not your will be done. My will be done. That's what we would have said. But he said, Father, forgive those. Because they don't know what they're doing. Even in the, in, in the, in the moment whenever pressure is on, that's when your real, your real character, your true who you are comes out. When you're experiencing pain or, or whenever you're experiencing stress or whatever, the real you comes out. And Jesus, whenever He was experiencing pressure and, and experiencing excruciating pain, He responded, Father, forgive them. He was others, others. Not concerned about his pain, not concerned about what he was experiencing, but concerned about those people that didn't know what they were doing. Let's let's stand together as we just close. I still have a little bit more I want to get through. Jesus died on the cross, the progression of this. He died on the cross. He was hanging there. He was concerned about others. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Then he, he, we know he conquers the grave. He, he's alive. His disciples scatter, and then the story picks up where Peter's on the beach. He, he's gone back to fishing. He's gone back to his, his original way of making a living. Jesus shows up on the beach while Peter is fishing. And I'll just paraphrase this in John chapter twenty-one. But Jesus is is on the beach, and he comes to him. He finds Peter and. Says Peter, do you love me? Yeah, of course, Jesus, I love you. I'm feed my sheep. He asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Said, Jesus, you you know I love you. I, I mean, of course, I love you. He said, feed my lambs. 
And he talked to him a little bit more. He said, Jesus, Peter, Peter asked, Jesus asked Peter, do, do you love me? Do you love me? This time Peter's like, man, I already told you twice. Yeah, I love you. Jesus said, then, then take care of my sheep. Jesus was concerned about his people. Jesus was concerned about others. And in the moment whenever Peter was really having a pity party, like, man, Jesus is dead. I denied him. He's just gone back to his own way. Jesus addresses him. Hey, get, what he's doing is he's saying, get the focus off of you. Get it on me first and foremost, and then get it on people. He wasn't willing to just allow Peter to just sit there and mope and, and, and continue in, in his fishing career because that's not what God had called him to. That's what happens to some of us. We get hurt. We go through things. We sit down and we just begin to feel sorry for ourselves, even, if, even whenever there's cause to feel sorry for ourselves about. And what Jesus would, would want us to do is just like what He did with Peter. Is it, get, get your eyes off of you. Get them on me. And get them on others. And if you do that, then you'll get healed. If you do that, it's a principle of sowing and weep, of reaping. Sowing and reaping. What you give out, you'll get back. And so whenever you give out of your need, you're going you're gonna to reap your, what, what you need. And so the reason that we go on these mission trips, the reason that we do all these things is because one, Jesus commanded it and we're to, to live like Jesus lived. But our life is others focused. Our life is not about ourselves. It's not about us. And so if you don't get anything out of this message, the biggest point that I want to bring home is to live like Jesus lived and Jesus perfected selflessness. Jesus perfected selflessness. Tonight, I want everybody to just close their eyes, bow their heads, and I just want you to just be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. Nobody looking around. First and foremost, I just want to give an opportunity to anybody that may not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. You might very well be in here tonight. You may have heard about the gospel. You may have heard about this man named Jesus. But you're not living for him. You haven't made a commitment to him. I don't want to move on. I don't want to just take it for granted like everybody might be saved in here. If that's you, and you, you've never given your life, or, or, or maybe you did, but you're far away from Him, I want you to just boldly slip up your hand right now. Anybody in here at all, I don't want to move on before I know everybody's made, made a commitment to Christ. Anybody in here need to make a commitment to Christ? I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just want all of us right now, just corporately, just lift up both hands. Everybody in here, both hands. Say, Lord Jesus... Come on, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I commit my life to you. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I know that you've given my life purpose here on earth. And you've created a home for me in heaven. I accept your free gift tonight of salvation. I receive it right now. I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I will live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Now I don't want to talk. I want to talk just real quickly. Nobody looking around. You might be in here tonight and say, I'm, I'm not others focused at all. I'm not others focused at all. I'm all wrapped up in my own self, all wrapped up maybe in my own hurts and my own needs. If that's you, just slip up your hand right now. I need, I need to become more selfless. I need to become more selfless. I, I, I'm lifting up my hands. I need to become more selfless, more like Jesus. Come on, let's, let's pray right now. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to grow like you grew, God. We want, to, we want to walk how you walked. Lord, we ask, God, right now, we just lay our own will, our own desires down to follow you. It's not about what we desire. It's not about what we want, God. It's about what you want. It's about what you desire. I thank you, Lord, that you perfected selflessness so that we could live a selfless life. We receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Help us to walk it out. Help us not to just pray a prayer and go home and live like we want to live. God, I pray for for life transformation to happen right now, for lives to change, lives to be renewed right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us to transition from being us-centered to other sinner tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.